Good morning, Nerd Clan. This is Blake. We're coming at you for Blake's Book Club. And today, oh, today is the inaugural day of Blake's Book Clan for Voyager, which is a big day. Something that has been long awaited for quite some time now. I would say over maybe the, the past year, uh, maybe a little less. Uh, people have been asking me about Voyager. When are you going to start it? When are you going to begin it? When are you going to read it? And Well, ladies and gents, November 3rd, Election Day, is the day upon which I will start Voyager. So, today, we are talking, um, actually, I'm, I'm in the car, uh, as I am wont to do uh, during Blake's Book Club, otherwise known as Riding in Cars with Blake. Uh, on the way to work, uh, I'm stuck in some serious traffic. There must be a horrible accident of some sort because it is bumper to bumper, and I've been sitting in the same spot now for about 25 minutes, uh, which is uh, not great. So while I was doing that, I figured let's listen to some Voyager and begin Chapter 1, The Corby's Feast. A small acknowledgement or um, admission, if you will, I had no idea what a Corby was. <laughs> Didn't I was like, what the heck is a Corby? Uh, and finally I ended up getting it. But just before I started recording, I decided to make sure I knew exactly what it was. And it is, a, um, it is uh, another term for uh, a crow or a raven. Uh, and of course, I think I got it while I was reading it. But it, I just wanted to make sure. <sighs> so we're beginning Voyager. And what a way to begin this book. Uh, yeah, man, uh, this is another uh, balls-to-the-wall, uh, exciting beginning, uh, much in the similar way that uh, Diana began Dragonfly and Amber, something that is completely out of context, something that you really have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Uh, it's a big deal. It is a really big deal what Diana does here, uh, beginning with Jamie. Uh, I know that she has done a chapter in Jamie's perspective before, but this, at the time when you're reading it, if you don't know the show or you haven't read the books yet, which obviously I have not, uh, it feels... Uh, it feels almost like a goodbye to Jamie. Um... Diana doesn't often switch without purpose. And, of course, there is a purpose for this chapter. It's getting you to Jamie what happened with him at the Battle of Culloden and um, how, where he left off after Claire um, departed. Uh, and it's catching you up to date on what happened to Jamie uh, in the battle specifically with a mystery of Blackjack Randall. How is Blackjack Randall on, on Jamie's body? Uh, and uh, how did these two come to clash? My guess is that we'll probably get some flashbacks of a sort, but I don't know. Uh, I will say I, I know uh, it is a Marion Blake commandment to keep the book and show separate. And in this instance, I will. But I will say this, I love the beginning of season three of Outlander. I felt the battle joined is one of the better episodes of Outlander produced. 
the way that it was uh, shot, number one, the way that it was written, the way that the stories came in and out, uh, especially between Claire and Jamie, how the battle was uh, portrayed, especially with the personable nature between Blackjack and Jamie. Uh, And then, of course, we have the execution scenes, uh, and then we have Rupert. Uh, All of these things are really, truly excellent stuff in the show. Um, And the book starts, you know, obviously in Jamie's perspective, there isn't much uh, allowed in terms of Claire's perspective, um, because we're we're fully stuck in Jamie's POV, uh, which is great. But um, I really loved that that premiere episode. It was great. It was so well constructed and crafted. Uh, I loved every second of it. So uh, as I listen to Davina Porter read uh, the chapter, uh, I have very fond memories of uh, the season three uh, premiere. Uh, And even though uh, I felt like the season three premiere was a a little bit more personal in nature, uh, specifically because of the inclusion of uh, Rupert uh, playing Duncan McDonald's role in the book, uh, I had more of a connection. A lot of the people that are talking to Jamie in, in the in this chapter, the, for the you know for the book version, I just don't know them. Or if I do know them from previous books, uh, their roles were so insignificant that I I don't quite remember them. Um, of course, I will say uh, my memory of season three is blurred. Um, I, I you know of course I remember the the, the premiere. Uh, but as we go into uh, Voyager, uh, I will probably mess things up. I will probably get things wrong. So just give me uh, a little bit of grace as we talk about this. So this chapter is full of dire stuff. Uh, dire, 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 dire stuff. Uh, people uh, being shot. Uh, people sick with fever. The sitting in this house that has the smell of death, essentially. Jamie himself is uh, hurt. His leg is, is, is numb and full of... He's caked in blood. Uh, he can barely stand. He's suffering from fever. But <laughs> Jamie's presence is uh, a welcome one and one that is... Uh, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it is certainly powerful, regardless of his surroundings, uh, whether or not he is talking about being in heaven and realizing that his his nose is broken. But wait, what, why would my nose be broken in heaven? I, I, I bet you it probably wouldn't even be broken in hell. So he's thinking he's in purgatory, but eventually he discovers that he's in fact alive and he's in a bad way (laughs) and his friends rescue him, bring him to the house and he's stuck there. Uh, Two things that pop out about Jamie in the midst of this opening. First, his love of Claire. Realizing and wanting just her touch. Uh, For some reason, 
I st- I'm sitting in the highway, just waiting, <laughs> waiting for the traffic to subside. And here I am listening to Davina Porter read Jamie's perspective about Claire. And I am tearing up at the sound of uh, Jamie saying that he just wanted to touch Claire. He just missed her and he wanted to feel her. Uh, I'm tearing up over that. And I'm, I'm tearing up because that is exactly how I would feel um, about Mary. Uh, for those of you who are new, obviously welcome. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm married to my wife, Mary, and I'm madly in love with her. Uh, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and that is without a doubt. Um, and she is my podcast partner and uh, and my business partner, and uh, you hear us all the time on OutlanderCast and all the other stuff. Uh, that we have here, uh, and it, she is part of the namesake for Marion Blake Media. Um, but those, for those of you who are not new, uh, you just went through that whole explanation. And you're like Blake. We know. Shut up. Um, I. That's exactly what I would have thought about Mary the entire time. I know when I'm sick, uh, I'm very pathetic, uh, or if I'm injured, I'm also very pathetic, and uh, I, <laughs> I, as I'm sure most men are. Uh, all I want is the, the touch of my wife. I just want to be around her. Um, and even though she may not be able to do anything for me, she may not be able to whatever, you know, I'm just, I just want her around me and her warmth and her presence soothes me. Uh, and I think that probably tapped into, well, Jamie's explanation tapped into that feeling for me, uh, which is something that's very special. Uh, so I can, as I'm, listening to that I can relate another part of Jamie that really stands out to me too is his sense of humor his humor in this chapter is a great balance uh, we know the kind of dire situation that we are in for Jamie uh, and the things that he's, he's got going on uh, and the fact that he is seconds away from dying and yet here he is talking with Lord Melton about uh, saying like, hey, listen, you can do what you want, but I'm going to sit down because I can't, I can't do anything. You do what you got to do. Uh, and then when Lord Melton is talking about the, 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 the tough quandary that he is in and the, the, um, the decision that he has to make, Jamie pipes up, opens one eye and says, listen, I ain't going to say anything if you don't. I, these two small little bits are excellent writing. Um, just because it makes Jamie human. Though I will say I'm surprised at Jamie for denying the red Jamie moniker. Now, of course, it doesn't pan out the way that Jamie thinks. They don't believe him. They discover the, the, the scar on his, on his neck. But I'm surprised that Jamie would, would deny that. Um, just because I, 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 even though, you know, that horrible death would come of him... Um, I just, I find Jamie a very proud person, um, someone who's sure of himself, someone who wouldn't be afraid to admit the things that he had done. So my question to you, Nerd Clan, is why is Jamie, why is Jamie saying that he's not Red Jamie? I don't get it. I mean, I again, I understand the the you know the how he's scared of dying a horrible death uh 
and being hanged and quartered and probably drawn and the, the, all of it. Uh, we call that the William Wallace treatment. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I understand that he, he's afraid of that, but I don't anticipate that deterring him from, um, from saying how uh, impactful he has been and the, all of the deeds that he has done in the name of uh, God and country. Um, I just don't see that. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that and how you can reconcile that with Jamie's character. Um, Another great part that really stands out to me too is Jamie talking uh, with Lord Melton and hearing all of the shots go off in the background. That is another favorite memory of mine uh, in the premiere of the episode, how silent it was. And uh, the two kids being brought outside and Rupert getting shot and uh, the sounds of the shots as Jamie and, and Melton are talking and uh, really good stuff. Really, really impactful stuff. Uh, there, there, there is some description of, of Jamie's surroundings, but I think there is not a, a great scene setter for the area only because I think Jamie is so in and out. His, his fever is, is taking hold of him. His awareness of his surroundings uh, is vague at best. So getting an accurate description of the area or the silence uh, is probably not in the cards. And I think that's appropriate. One thing I, I still have trouble with is the appearance of Lord Melton and how all of a sudden he just shows up and he just happens to be the guy who happens to be the brother of the guy that Jamie saves. Uh, it, again, it's it's narrativium. Um, it, you know, this is something that we've talked a lot about uh, in the Potterverse, uh, especially in the Chamber of Secrets and in the last book club, with Midnight Sun, uh, narrativium being that thing that things happen for the sake of happening in order to move the book forward. Uh, if it's not Lord Melton, uh, Jamie dies. If it's anybody else in the entire planet uh, that, well, sorry, if it's anybody else in the English army, uh, Jamie dies. It just happens to be the one guy that Jamie happens to have um, an indirect deal with uh, that comes in and saves him at the last second. At his lowest point, no Murta, who is dead, uh, at least according to Jamie's perspective at this moment. No um, family around him. Uh, all of the people that are in the building are going to die. He is without Claire. He is about to die regardless of whether or not he's going to get shot. He is in and out of haze. He thinks he may or may not be in purgatory. And all of a sudden, at the last, very possible second, Lord Melton shows up. Narrativium. Melton shows up because the book needs him to show up. And that is something I remember quite a bit about from season three. Um, not necessarily Lord Melton, though, yes, that is true. But for the rest of the book... Uh, I mean, for the rest of the show, in particular, the storm uh, that 
capsizes Jamie's boat eventually later on, and he just happens to be on the same island as Claire. These are all things. Now, if you want to argue with me about whether or not that is fate, that is the gods, the gods are making choices for for Jamie (laughs) to keep him alive uh, and keep him in a place where he has to go and still be alive to meet Claire and to continue his story. Well, there is some... I refer back to the chapter with... Um, with... Uh, oh, the guy who healed Claire in book two. What the heck's his name? Master Raymond. Master Raymond seems to exist on a different astral plane. And if he is part of that process, well, then you, I think you could make it, um, a spiritual argument that there is more at play here than just the regular throes of mankind. And then if you wanted to also pinpoint the idea that Jamie's ghost is at the beginning of Outlander, well, again, there there is another argument to be made that there are things happening outside of our of our world as regular humans. There is another astral uh, presence at work um, helping guide the forces of uh, these Frasers. But that to me seems to be a weak deus ex machina, deus ex machina at best. Um, like we just finished uh, the Potterverse last night uh, for uh, chapter 17 of the Chamber of Secrets, the heir of Slytherin. Now, if you're a Harry Potter fan, you understand this reference. And the heir of Slytherin Fox, the, the phoenix, comes and rescues Harry at the last possible second and saves the day by delivering the Sword of Gryffindor and defeating the Basilisk, essentially, for Harry. Um, <laughs> that's a deus ex machina in the worst way. <laughs> That is one that I just, oh man, that does not sit well with me. And uh, Melton here is the same thing. There's no other explanation for his arrival other than just because. So uh, so that's that. Um, as it relates to the rest of the chapter, though, extremely well written. Uh, the guts it takes to put, to put the first chapter of this book in Jamie's perspective uh, and not even introduce the character. Not like... It, it starts reading that, oh, yeah, this guy wakes up and his nose is broken, thinks he's in hell. Like, you don't know who they're talking about. Eventually, Diana does say that it is Jamie, but you, you as the reader really don't have a clue that it is Jamie. And to stick with him, um, especially after um, the end of uh, Dragonfly and Amber, uh, to stick with him uh, and, and, and be there uh, and not knowing all of the ins and outs of what happened with Claire. And um, yeah, really good stuff. Really good stuff. I really, really enjoyed this chapter. So it's a good start, ladies and gents. A good start to Blake's Book Club for Voyager. We are on the way. We have 42 of these to go. And uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. So hopefully... My thought and my hope is to get at least two to three done per week. That's what I'm hoping. 
It is not a promise. It is not a guarantee. Uh, we got a lot going on between the Potterverse, uh, This Is Us, uh, The Crown, um, and then eventually we're going to get back to Outlander. Uh, we, we, got some, we got some other things going on too. So uh, as I'm sure everybody is quite busy, I'm sure everybody is stuck at home uh, and either educating their kids or working from home and everyone's got a million things to do. And uh, if it makes you feel any better, I'm still staying and standing in the same exact place as I was when we first began Blake's Book Club on the highway. So I don't know what the heck happened, but this is misery. I got to get to work. (sighs) All right. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. If you do, please tell me why. If you don't, please tell me why it sucks, and I will change it. But until next time, I'll see you then.